0: Welcome to the sourcing hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and art of procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the sourcing hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Paul Nilsson. Paul is the Director of Procurement at Douglas Elliman Real Estate and a reader, my favorite kind of person. Paul recently shared a book he was reading on LinkedIn and sparked both an interesting conversation and this podcast interview. So hi, Paul. Thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Hey, Kelly. It's great to be with you.
0: So I shared the fact that you read. And I talked a little bit about what your job is now, but for listeners, is there anything else you want to share about your professional journey to this point?
1: So I started my procurement career in the fashion industry, which is a great kind of frenetic pace to learn the ropes. Uh, So in addition to cutting my teeth with everything that most junior procurement people do, it opened me up to sort of an entrepreneurial spirit of Hey, procurement person, or we want to do a sample sale open to the public for the first time ever. Go figure that out. And so, like stuff like that was like really open my eyes. That, that made me think, wow, procurement really is like a little bit of everything, which turned out to be true. So uh, that really got me hooked on uh, the industry. And from there I was able to progress into financial services where I've spent most of my career. But I still, I still wax poetically about my few years in the fashion industry where, <laughs> you know, where it all started.
0: Well, and speaking of waxing poetic, you also find time to read. And I think people may be interested to find that the book we're going to talk about is not, you know, it's not something from the HBR reading list. It's not the latest (laughs) top business title. It's not the Elon Musk biography. Right. We're actually going to take on something a little bit more philosophical today. So the book that you shared on LinkedIn. Was Ikigai, which is the Japanese secret to living a long and happy life. And we're actually gonna acknowledge right up front, you've also checked out the audiobook. The author says Ikigai, but other people have a different pronunciation. So yes. we're gonna go Ikigai. If you say Ikigai, you're still welcome to listen and we would still wanna hear from you, but we're following the author's lead.
1: And this may not be the last Japanese word I mispronounced during our conversation. (laughs) So just full disclosure, please.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to attempt any others. So (laughs) you're you're one ahead of me there. But tell us a little bit about the book. And in fact, I think there's also a sequel that you're reading as well.
1: Yes. The the follow-up book is more, it's kind of like a workbook companion to the book. So a lot of people, when they read the book, had had great feedback, but then said, well, how do I put this into action? But so the book is really about Living a purposeful life, uh, where, where it breaks down into four, sort of four quadrants. Like, right? what what do you love? What are you good at? What does the world need? And what can you get paid for? So it's kind of like a self-assessment to figure out what it is that really drives you and how you can l- live a balanced and 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 happy existence throughout your whole life. So it's 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 kind of part taking inventory of everything you do to figure out what creates a spark in you. But also doing that inventory to think, Mm -hmm. do I need to make incremental improvements towards where I want to go or do I really need to make a paradigm shift to be where I want to be? You know, it's very interesting. It's it's half philosophy and half kind of deconstruction of your 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 being, really.
0: But I like the fact that it acknowledges that we do have to get paid because eating and having a home are really nice.
1: I love that. Yeah, (laughs) my wife does too. And so does the dog. So everyone, you know, has been happy with this rhythm so far.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Now, I'm interested about how this particular message connects with you, where you are, whether it's in your personal journey, your professional journey, or in the intertwining of the two. How does this concept really resonate for you?
1: I think it is in the intertwining of the two. I mean, uh, procurement people are used to delivering value, and you know, I, I can take great pride in the accomplishments that I've had. But you know, the fiduciary responsibility that we have to companies, and that's all great, and 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 the stuff to be very proud of in your career. But at a certain point, also, you want to kind of you, you think about legacy. You think about the legacy that you leave as a person. Uh, but also, everybody wants a balanced life. I think that's a it's a non-controversial statement, right? You want a balanced existence, a, a balanced existence of you know purpose as well as you know professional enrichment. And so, it, it's a great opportunity to you know, when I walk home every day from work, I go by a uh, a church that that feeds the homeless and they feed hungry people. It's a sobering experience, right? Because I think to myself, I'm rattling off the day's events, but then you hit this reality and you go, okay, well. Is there is there any way that I can do something about this or, you know, apply what I know to help people? I think that's just a natural extension of where I'm at right now in terms of, you know, how how can I do more? How can I do something more? How can I lend my procurement skills maybe to something that's uh, more purpose driven? Right.
0: Well, and you're fortunate that you're able to walk home from work. I mean, granted. I say that having a home office, walking home from work means sort of going over there to the kitchen. But um, even the fact that you're able to connect with the larger world and give yourself that mind space or, or head space to what are other people's days like or you know, se- have that time of separation from, from desk to home, um, it, being thoughtful, it connects to that idea of of being purposeful. And, and to your point, Where can I apply my skills to help others?
1: And and mindfulness is a big part of what they talk about in Ikigai in terms of finding flow uh, Mm -hmm. and really appreciating moment. They talk a lot about staying present. And one of the greatest techniques that's going to sound so weird to you, Kelly, but I encourage you to try it because I've been doing it lately, is they say, uh, one of the chapters in the follow-up book talks about trying, like, if you want to try and get present very quickly, try writing a haiku. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And But let me tell you, when you do it, it's very centering, even if you are not a great haiku writer, which I am not. Uh, but it, even if you write about the most mundane thing, it forces your brain into state, like, what am, where am I right now? And that's, I think for a lot of people, you can get caught up in a whirlwind of just life and happening. And so that is a great exercise that I've learned to sort of allow me to snap back and kind of center myself. So
0: yeah, well, okay, Paul, maybe yeah. it's because it's early in the years, we're recording this, and I'm still feeling like <laughs> Aspirational hasn't all been beat out of me yet. <laughs> I am going to accept your challenge now. I was okay. an English major, so I've okay. done the haiku route. It's been a long time. I'm going to look back up the syllables. Okay. I am going to write you a haiku for this episode. Okay, it's five seven
1: five. For the awesome,
0: okay. you saved me the time of looking it up. Okay, okay, so if you're listening to this audio, make sure you look at the show notes. Paul's custom haiku is down there in the show notes. <laughs> Go take a look. And bonus credits for anybody say on LinkedIn or Twitter where you find this, share your own ha- haiku back. Maybe we could publish a book of procurement haiku,
1: Paul. But I just want to make sure you said you're going to write one too, right? Not just me, because I'm ready. But I'm going to write, write one. one too. Okay. Oh, I'm you're going to
0: write excellent. So we're going to have a haiku exchange. This will be the <laughs> first for me. And I think you tricked me into attempting another Japanese word. So. Well done. Well done. We're we're now two for two, I think. Um, now you talked a minute ago about flow mm-hmm. and just to sort of keep this coming back to procurement. One of the things we talk about constantly is people falling in to procurement. I fell into procurement. I believe you fell into procurement. Yeah. You know, Philip Ideson always starts podcast interviews by saying, did you find procurement? Or did your procurement find you? we're still in single digits, I think, after even like a million and a half downloads of the show of of people that chose to work in procurement. But what we never think about is whether people are falling out. And so the question of talent and and retention comes up. Based on your experience, do you think we need to be putting more intentionality to stay on theme around Mm -hmm. the people that are currently in procurement and making sure that if they want to stay, that we are retaining them by keeping it interesting and, and giving them opportunities. Is that something we need to put more focus on?
1: Yeah, I think there's never been a better spotlight on talent in the industry. I mean, you can you can throw a rock and hit you know a hundred good procurement people on LinkedIn. So it's not it's never been a matter in the last 10 years of where is the talent, right? But that issue of how to retain and so yeah. you know, as you meet more procurement people and see what drives them, I think it is that it, it's about giving them the opportunity to grow i mean still in the theme of the of the book that we're talking about too right it's about treating people like people and not you know corporate uh resources right because not everybody uh, my experience in working with a lot of interns too some of the best people that have worked for me have not been procurement people so i've been able to have talent on my team that you know uh, students that are economics majors or people who don't even know what procurement is but when you have a good base you can teach the necessary skills to do the work but it's really it's the right finding people with the right attitude i i think the future though of retaining talent is about creating that trajectory for people because procurement is more involved than ever in in every facet of the business so now yeah. that opens up a lot of pathways to you know maybe procurement wanting to transition into coo roles or something like that because you get that holistic view of the whole organization you're well equipped to, to transition into any of those roles. So it's about keeping an open mind to, it's okay if someone doesn't want to be with you for 10 years, you know, you could get the best three years out of someone and then that, that's okay too.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because it's also a sort of a two-sided effort because the procurement leaders and the company and, and different parts of the business should be mindful about talent and retention and creating these opportunities. But Each individual employee should also be purposeful in their career and take advantage of opportunities. I mean, a lot of times you can tour things, you can do rotations in the company, you might be able to participate in some kind of third-party educational program, Mm -hmm. not just going to work every day and saying, okay, what do I need to do in what order? What Zoom meetings or Teams meetings do I need to be in today? But thinking, what interests me? Do I have the opportunity to call up a cool supplier and say, hey, can I come for a plant tour and and see how you're doing things? Um, Even when I think back to my time in procurement, because I got my start in grocery retail, Mm -hmm. and I worked for the company that at the time, if anybody's East Coast, stop and shop, giant Landover, Tops, there were a number of chains. I remember the day they said to us at headquarters, hey, does anybody want to go see where we turn the bananas yellow? And I was like the first person putting my hand, yeah, yeah I want to go see how you turn the bananas <laughs> yellow. And it ended up becoming sad maybe, but a story to tell my kids. Do you know how those bananas, do you know what happens? Like they have these big weird garage doors and the bananas all go in and then there's like gas and it's something, something to the bananas and But taking that opportunity, did I need to see how bananas turn yellow in order to source pest control services for 200 grocery stores? No. But it was an opportunity to go learn something, to be actively curious, to experience something. But you have to look for those things, don't you?
1: Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk always likes to say that, you know, leaders work for the for their teams, pardon me, and not the other way around. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's up to leaders to really get to know their people. And I think that's one of something that's very, you know, it can be difficult in certain companies. And so once you know what makes people tick, you can identify those opportunities. When I first started working for Douglas Elliman, I was working with our we had a a media team that, that produced a magazine. And they wanted to do a plant tour where the magazine was going to be printed so we drove to upstate in saratoga it was it was a blast you know i've been buying print for years or or, you know uh, by and yet being there in the warehouse watching the presses go i mean it, it adds a new dimension so you have to kind of figure out what makes people tick and what's going to create that spark for them that helps take them in a you know in a new direction
0: Well, to your point earlier, you know, you talked about how many different parts of the business procurement has the opportunity to impact, even to the point that you could go in an operations direction. But we have to be thinking that way. We have to be. It's not just about updating spreadsheets or Mm -hmm. or getting something through an RFP process. It's how does this, at the end of the day, impact the business at a whole? And going to see bananas or going to see a supplier's print capabilities. You know, I think it brings it home. It might feel like, oh, gosh, why did I sign up for this? I'm so busy. And now I have to drive to this place and and go to this plant. But being there, feet on the ground sort of makes it real, lets you see how much detail goes into all of the things that we're trying to capture in those spreadsheets.
1: Uh, after this interview, I'm also going to look at what makes bananas yellow, by the way, because now <laughs> you've really piqued my interest. Like I can't stop thinking about that now. <laughs>
0: So, Paul, we've talked about sort of philosophy and experience and some of the things that procurement professionals and leaders need to be mindful of. But I'm interested about what your favorite part about working in procurement happens to be.
1: So I I know when a lot of people are asked this question, they say variety, and it normally would be my first answer. But as I think more about it, it's more about agency, which is a a slight offshoot of that, which is in a lot of jobs it's kind of like an assembly line, right? If you're an accountant and I love accountants, I don't wanna run a foul, but you know, know, your work is predictable, you know what you're going to do and you just have to process as much of that work as you can. In procurement, you have an opportunity to kind of put your stamp on something because your creativity and your experiences can imprint on how you approach solutions. And I think that, that to me is what that plus variety kind of combined into something where every day there's an element of, I wonder what's gonna happen today. And so that sometimes the answer to that question is very bad, <laughs> <And sometimes, laughs> but you know, but it, at least it, the, you can wake up and know that you're, you're going to have an opportunity to deliver value to the business and you'll have to be, you probably have to be creative in how you approach it as well.
0: Yeah, so no, that, that absolutely. That to me is
1: the most important thing.
0: And, and sort of then maybe coming full circle. So when you talked about the four quadrants of what's covered by the Ikigai mm-hmm. philosophy on, on purposeful life, you know, you talked about what are you good at, what do you enjoy, but you did also talk about what can you get paid to do, and, and that is part of our day-to-day reality. So I'd be interested, based on having read the book and, and spent some time with the workbook, what your advice would be around connecting what we like or what we love and what we're good at with something that people are willing to pay money to us to do for a living.
1: Hmm. I think it's the the first part of the answer is to kind of do a Pareto analysis of your career and think about like every job is going to have some amount of work that you just absolutely don't like, and and everyone tries to minimize their exposure to that element, whether it's busy work or cold calling or whatever it is. I think, but. It, like I talk to a lot of procurement people and we talk about, you know, well, which, what are your aspirations and things like that? And, and not every procurement person's aspiration, since they're good at procurement is to say, well, I want to be a consultant in procurement. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to sort of take a step back, almost go back to your Like what, what created a spark in you as a child. Right. And think, what do I like to do? You know, do I like to do work with, you know, woodworking? Am I a musician? And, and I mean, yes, the answer to the, how do I make money off that is more difficult. But I think it's important to do that 80, 20 analysis to say, what are the moments in my day or week that really create a spark that say wow, I love this part. You know, I love negotiating or I love this. And then you kind of have to do some soul searching to figure out it may not be about making as much money as you make now to drive that kind of spark in you that creates that ikigai for you. Uh, It may be, you know, in the example that I gave you before, maybe you like negotiating and you're good at it. And you can help people negotiate. You know, uh, help uh, low-income people negotiate mortgages or something like that. Like I'm, I'm kind of like mashing sure. up two elements, but that's really what it's about. It's about well, you know, what drives you and what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to help people? Do you want to, you know, entertain people? Do you, you know, it, it's really the book talks a lot about stripping down that every piece of uh, of what drives you to figure out how you can reconstruct it. And and I think the important thing to emphasize is that. Your ikigai changes, as, you know, as you go through life. So, you know, when I was 16, I really wanted to be a musician, and you know, now I won't tell you how old I am, and I, I don't know what <laughs> I want. But so it's, you know, it's, it's important to, to kind of be kind to yourself to say it's okay. And I'm gonna, I may be mispronounce another Japanese term here, but uh, wabi sabi, which is, they referenced uh, slightly in the book, is you know, about you know, imperfection is okay, right? It's appreciating imperfection, and I think that's an important part of it too everybody sees social media and sees people who have a million followers and 18 shows and streams of income. And they think, Oh my God, like, I'm not doing that. So what's wrong with me? And it's okay. You know, it's, it's about finding something that drives you that's simple and focusing on that and cultivating that joy. Uh, And the last piece I think is, is also about community. You want to find like-minded people uh, who, who you can just be supported by because that's the, the people who live in the book when they talk about people who live long lives, up to, you know, through hundred years old, they have very defined communities and roles in those communities. It's never about people stopping working to some degree. No one's kind of sitting on the beach sipping Mai Tais and it's always about having purpose through work and finding joy in some type of, of labor, so.
0: And I think the nice thing is this is sort of the the opposite of what we talked about before, all the things you can do with experience or a job in procurement, but there's also a lot of different opportunities within procurement. There are mm-hmm. technical things, data things, creative things, people, person things, high stress things, if if that happens to be your favorite. And so focusing around what brings you joy and what you're good at, chances are you can even stay inside of procurement and find a way to do more of that.
1: And if you even flip the script like given the example of someone who may me likes, maybe likes music. And again, this is not sort of a, a money-making scheme for life, but you can find ways to inject your interests into elements of your work that maybe drive that spark that you have. So if you like producing music, maybe you can do, you know, at my company, they asked me to help them edit the podcast that they did a few years ago during COVID. I loved it. Right. So it's kind of, it, it, it scratched the itch that I have. For music but it's not like i'm going to go out and publicize that i edited the podcast but it really made me happy to do it so you have to look at like you said you have to keep your eyes and ears open for those opportunities to do things that kind of go into that lane that drives you
0: absolutely now paul one of the traditions we have here on the sourcing hero is every guest's first time on the show i give you a pairing of questions So I'm gonna give you two options. You can answer whichever one you want Mm -hmm. and there is no such thing as a wrong answer. So whatever brings you joy from this pair and whatever answer you wanna share is the right one. And it does not have to be in haiku format. You can just, (laughs) 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 we won't hold you to the syllables. Uh, So here are your options. What does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or if you wanna broaden it a little bit, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context?
1: Yeah, I think I, I would take the, the the second question. I think for me, heroism, and especially in a procurement role, procurement is often in the challenger position. Why do we do this? Why are we doing things this way? And I think that you'll come across, you know, in the course of your fiduciary responsibility to the company, you'll come across a lot of situations where it's important to say, why Why are we doing this? Because it's very easy to go with the flow <clears throat> and and go where the current takes you because it's your job. But it's, it's more important to stick up for what's right in your eyes without, you know, you don't want to be a rabble rouser, but you want to have, you want to try and build a reputation for challenging for the right reasons, right? Not just, well, because it costs less, but what's the right thing to do? You know, who, who are we as a team and as a company and what do we stand for? For me, that's about looking out for people, right? It's about getting to know your team, getting to know your colleagues and what drives them too, because happy people that are self-actualized are gonna be the best employees you've ever had. And people that are micromanaged and thumbed, you know, kept under a thumb are, are not gonna be happy. They're not gonna to wanna to stay. So I think there's a there's a happy medium there for sticking up for what's good for people in general, even if it means they're not gonna be around for the long term because their dream is to do something else. But to have an, an open discussion to say, this is okay and this is what we stand for. So ch- challenging is uh, to me the, the act of a of a corporate hero.
0: Well, Paul, this has been a fascinating conversation, sort of some of the things we talk about a lot, some of the things we have absolutely never talked about before. And I appreciate you being here to share so much of yourself, not just professionally, but also personally.
1: I've had a great time. Thank you, Kelly.
0: Absolutely. If people that listened in are interested in connecting with you, maybe finding out what you're reading, what is the best way for them to get in touch?
1: So uh, paulnilson.com links to my LinkedIn so NILSEN, and that's the best way to connect with me. I'm also going to be reading 24 books this year. I've given myself a challenge. So if you want to see what I'm reading, <laughs> I'm I'm going I'm going a little overboard, uh, having you know up my ante. So uh, 24 books this year, and trying to post about uh, seven things that I learned from each of them. So um, I've got two in the in the in the hopper for January. I'm ready to go.
0: Well, good for you, Paul. I look forward to finding out what you read, what you thought, what you learned. Maybe we'll check in with you later in the year and see how you did.
1: All right, sounds great, Kelly.
0: Thank you, Paul. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.